Hey, this is Rich. We are so glad that you joined us today on the VU Church podcast. It's 4th of July weekend, and we hope you have taken some time to celebrate and reflect with loved ones. I'm grateful to be a part of this nation as we celebrate our independence and continued fight for freedom and equality. This week was a big week for my family as we welcomed our third child, Waylon Wesley Wilkerson. She's been a dream come true. Please pray with us as we believe she'll fully recover and be home with us soon. Our message this week reminds us that God's will is always better than what we could possibly dream of. My message today is titled, Stop Following Your Dreams. Let's lean in together. Genesis 22, starting in verse one, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, he said to him, Abraham, and here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse six, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. Uh, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide. Someone say, God himself will provide. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up there in the thicket. He saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. To this day, it is said on that mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I want to take these 14 verses today and I want to preach from the subject, stop following your dreams. Stop following your dreams. And would you pray with me today? I believe the Lord's going to speak to us. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, that it's, it's doing something in us even right now. Lord, I pray that today, God, we would not just show up in vain. We wouldn't just show up out of habit. We wouldn't just show up out of practice. But Lord, we would show up today because we desire deeper intimacy with you, that we would grow closer to you, that we would know you, Lord, in a fresh way. Help us to see Jesus like we never have before. Change us from the inside out. We love you. We praise you. And we give you all the glory. And in Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. Amen. 
Hey, come on, why don't you put your hands together, whether you're right here in person, online, even in additional seating. Amen. Well, it has been a, a pretty amazing week for the Wilkerson home. Um, if you have not heard, on Friday, my wife gave birth to our, our third child. Uh, my daughter was born Friday morning, uh, 8.03 a.m., six pounds, four ounces. She's little, but she's feisty. Um, her name is Waylon Wesley Wilkerson. I know there's been a lot of debates going on. Winona, Wendy, Winter, it, it was Waylon. Nobody guessed Waylon. Uh, it means um, a place by the path. And Dontree really has this beautiful, Dontree's better than me at this kind of stuff, but she, she believes that our daughter's gonna be a place of rest for people on the journey of faith. That on the journey of faith, on, 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 on the way home, that, that people would have a Waylon, that they would have a, a place where they could find rest. And this girl's already changing our lives and uh, we can't wait for her to meet all of you. Uh, she's coming very, very soon. She's gonna preach her first message, hopefully in about two weeks. Um, but uh, it's, been a, it's been an amazing week and I just wanted you to kind of get to see her a little bit and just see a little bit about the story. Check out the screen. Who has no fish, by the way? Thank you. Your turn. I got to go now. You got to go now for yeah. Daddy? Yeah. All right, let's talk. This is the last night that it's just the four of us. Tomorrow, Mommy's going to the hospital. Do you know why? Yeah. Why? My mom is going to get out of her belly. Your mom's going to get Waylon out of her belly? Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Do you think that maybe we should pray for Mom? Yeah. Okay, can we pray for Mom? I think we should. I think we should put our hand on her belly. Dear Jesus, we pray for mom. We pray for mom. Keep mom safe. Keep mom safe. And bring baby Waylon safe. Bring baby Waylon safe. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Give mommy a kiss. Mm -hmm. I love you. I love you. See you later. Yes, yes. Well, we have three car seats. Ready to go. Right now. So we just got the call and we're headed up now to the third floor. Look at it, is that? Hello. This is the new way. This is the COVID way. I'm so honored that you guys would come to the birth of a great band. So proud of you. Right there. Oh, that's true. She's beautiful. Dark hair. Waylon is in NICU and uh, we're just waiting to kind of continue to get updates. You pray with us, pray that she would progress, that there would be no infection in her lungs and that she would be healthy. We can't wait to hold her in our arms. Hi, baby girl. I love everything about you. You are a warrior. You're a strong champion. Pretty great, huh? 
We think she's pretty great. And um, yesterday was the first time we got to really hold her in our arms. Um, when she was born, she uh, took in some fluids. And so what happened was, was that she was struggling breathing, which is not a fun thing, of course, to experience uh, with your one hour old baby. But she was admitted to NICU. We're so grateful. Um, yesterday in the NICU, one of the nurses was playing that song that the team just sang, Gyra. And you know, you know when you like, you kind of see other Christians somewhere, you're like, <laughs> I'm like, you like that song? She's like, yeah, I'm like, keep playing it, you know? Uh, but we're so grateful for the team over there. Of course, when a baby is admitted uh, into the NICU like that, what happens is, is, is immediately, I'm just learning this stuff too, uh, Waylon was put onto certain types of antibiotics uh, for an infection, possibly, because the diagnosis won't come back for at least 72 hours. And so uh, we know she's gonna be there for a little while longer, but every day she's made major progress. Yesterday, we got to hold her. Uh, today, this morning, before I came to service, I was there uh, in the NICU with her, just hanging out, just doing, you know, you know daddy-daughter stuff, and um, <laughs> gave her a purity ring. And, um, and uh, you think I'm kidding. Um, she's not dating until 42, so that's good, but... Um, uh, the nurse told me that they're going to give her a full bottle today. That's how much she's progressed. So God is good. God is faithful. And we're so grateful. And I know Don Cherie's watching right now over at South Miami Hospital. I just skateboarded over to the church, which is, I'm like, God, you're so good. And, uh, but babe, I love you. Uh, Don Cherie has been walking already. She had a C-section, but she's progressing well as well. I know so many of you have been asking about Don Cherie and the baby. Both are doing good. We're believing that before long, we will all be home together, all the boys united. And so thank you, Vu Church, for your prayers. Thank you for your support. We're so, so grateful today. And um, I just think today, in light of what's happening in my life, this passage that we're reading today has uh, never been more true and more real and even more relevant. Uh, the birth of Waylon is a dream come true. There's just really no other way to explain it or define it. It is a dream come true. And uh, many of you who've been going to VU for a while, you know our story. And uh, maybe you're tired of hearing the story, but if you're going to be a part of VU, you're going to hear the story for the rest of your lives. Uh, it's actually quite a biblical thing. The scripture tells us that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Your testimony is not like a one-time thing you give when you get baptized. It's not like the one time you give it at you know, youth camp and then it's over. A testimony is something that you should get good at sharing over and over and over again. Why? Because there's gonna come up these moments in life when you don't know how to overcome. There's gonna be obstacles and challenges that you don't know how to get through, but the scripture says that you're gonna get through by the sacrifice of Jesus, but you're also gonna overcome that thing when you rehearse and retell the testimony of God's faithfulness in the past. God is a faithful God. And we went on a journey of eight years of infertility. So the fact that we have three kids, one kids is, is miraculous, two kids is more than we bargained for, three, there's just no coincidence, friends. Uh, we serve a wonder-working, way-making God who, who's still doing the impossible. And in so many ways, it's, it's a dream that has come true, but I gotta be honest with you, Many, many years ago, Don Tree and I, we, we sacrificed that dream. We laid that dream up on the altar. And I gotta be honest with you, it's the fact that we laid that dream up on the altar more than 
seven years ago, about a year or two into our journey, Don Shree and I, we came to a revelation that if we don't ever have a child, we still have Jesus. And, and Jesus is, is more than enough. I gotta be honest with you, when you find out that your baby who's just 30 minutes old has to go to the NICU, that's frightening and that's scary. And I'm not trying to belittle that or I'm not trying to make light of that. But there is this calm confidence. Yeah. There is this firm foundation that you can withstand the storm, that you can withstand the fright of the night because you've already given it over to Jesus once. How hard will it be to give it over to him a second time? I think the question today is, are you in love with God or are you in love with what God can give you? It's a challenging message today, but I, I just can't get past this text and I can't get what this means for so many of us because I have learned more about God in tragedy than I ever have in victory. Wow. Once again, our city is continuing to mourn as so many have lost their life in the Surfside tragedy, but I really believe from this place of pain, we can discover real purpose. In fact, I've learned that valleys, they, they shape your perspective more than the mountaintops ever will. And if you can make a decision that I'm going to learn in the valley, I'm going to learn in the tragedy, you're gonna get a deeper revelation about who your God is and what he means to you. We live in a day and age right now where there is this kind of like adage that goes on. And I even hear it in church sometimes and it's concerning to me. And the adage goes like this, uh, follow your dreams. Just follow your heart. <laughs> you ever hear people, it's like, I don't know what to do. Trust your heart. <laughs> right. It's kind of an interesting thing because it sounds really, really pretty. But the truth is, is that that's not a scripture. Um, that, that's a Nike ad. <laughs> you know, follow your dreams. That's not the Bible. It's a scary day when the philosophy for your life comes from a Gatorade commercial. Because the scripture does not say, follow your dreams. That's not the call. The call has never been to follow your dreams. The call has always been to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus wherever he takes you. From the mountaintop to the valley. Follow Jesus into suffering. Follow Jesus wherever he leads you. You follow him. That's the call of Vu Church. We're not following our dreams. We're, we're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to follow him wherever he takes us. And many times he takes you to pain. And many times he takes you to storms. And many times he leads you into the fire. In fact, you can be right in the middle of God's will and you can get crucified. The promise of our God has never been that you won't have problems. The promise of our God has always been over and over again that no matter how big the problem is, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't follow your dreams, follow Jesus. I know, but my heart, listen to me. Not everything that you want is God. And this idea, just what's in your heart. I wouldn't trust your heart, especially if your heart hasn't been transformed. Especially if you're talking to your friend who's never actually had their heart regenerated by Jesus. 
<laughs> Let me remind you what, what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Just whatever your heart wants. I don't know. That can lead you to a scary place. And many of us over and over again, because we just follow our heart, we find ourselves being destroyed. What if I told you that one of the worst things that can happen to you in your life is for God to give you everything you want? I just, let me just try to lay some foundation biblically because this is, this is just important because this is what Paul writes to the church in Rome. Romans chapter one, that's how he kicks off his entire letter. He says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like the mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Watch this, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over. God gave them what was in their heart. God gave them what they wanted. God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Let me just tell you, you don't want everything that's in your heart. I I, I don't want all of my wants. In fact, I've learned that a lot of things that I want are not what God wants. I don't want what I want. I want God's will. This is actually a mark of maturity. This is actually a sign that you are developing as a disciple or as an apprentice of Jesus, that you would come to terms with saying, God, I know I want that thing, but Lord, if you don't want me to have that thing, I would rather trust you in what looks like a storm of today than go chasing after that thing. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I want, like a, I want a lot of things that God doesn't will. Can we just be honest for a moment? Are we allowed to say this? Like, I want to obey my feelings. I all, listen, I always want to be right. Like, I've never had a moment like, man, I kind of hope I'm wrong. Like, I hope that like, everyone will know I'm wrong. Like, no, I'm always going, God, I want to be right. Especially when I'm talking to my wife, you know? Am I allowed to say this? I always want to be liked. I always want to be liked. Like that, I know there's like some, maybe some people don't, don't struggle with that. I, I want, I want you to like me. I don't come up here today and I'm like, man, I really hope they hate me. Hope they're against me. No, I want to be liked. I want to appear strong. That's why I wear smaller shirts. I want to eat whatever I want. When I want. DiGiorno pizza every day, all day. Make them pay. I want to quit. I want to cuss. I do. I'll confess that later to my mentor. I want to tell you off. I want to cut you off. I, I, I want to be in control, always. This, this is what I want. But how I many know oh, God wills something completely different over and over and over again? God wills that I submit to the Spirit. God wills that I would be humble and admit when I'm wrong. 
God wills that uh, I would do what's right even when it leads to me being unpopular. That's what he wills for my life. God wills that I would boast about my weakness, not my strength. God wills that I would honor my body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. God wills that I would endure. God wills that I would call those things that are not as though they were. God wills that I would give him control over and over again. I don't know about you, but I'm asking God to give me strength, not to choose what I want, but to choose his will. You don't want what you want. What you want leads to destruction more often than not. I love the story we have of Abraham. It's an Old Testament story. I don't know if you've ever read this story before, but it's a good one. Um, Abraham is uh, the father of the faith. And it's, it's, it's really just like one of the best stories we have in all of the Bible and it builds our faith. But today when we talk from this subject, stop following your dreams, Abraham is a beautiful case study about this. Uh, Abraham, just to kind of bring you up to speed, uh, once again, we've got a lot of services that I gotta go quick. Um, Abraham gets a word from the Lord at 75 years of age, which I could just take the next 20 minutes and just preach on that idea because God is no respecter of persons. I don't care how young you are and I don't care how old you are. It should be said every Sunday. If you are breathing, God is still working. The fact that you have air in your lungs is a good sign. God's not done with you yet. Just because you quit doesn't mean that he has. If you're here today, I'm telling you what, he can still use your life. He can turn things around right now today. Maybe you're thinking as you came here to the early service, man, I'm older and my best days are behind me. That is not true. In Jesus, he is the one who redeems the time. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And Abraham at 75 years of age gets this big call to step out and follow God. He gives him this huge promise. He says, Abraham, you're gonna be the father of nations. In fact, I'm gonna bless all the nations through you. And I mean, it's like this grand, massive promise. And the only problem is, is that Abraham at 75 years of age, um, he doesn't have any children, let alone a child for a, a nation or, or nations to come about. And what I've learned about God, and I've taught it many times here at Vu Church, but I just wanna even teach it again today is that everywhere a promise is placed, there's a problem to face. So everywhere that God places a promise, understand there will be a problem that you will have to face. It's just, it's how it works with God. God gives us promises and then we have to walk through problems. Can I remind you that problems are a prerequisite for a miracle? Everybody wants miracles, nobody wants problems. But if you don't have a problem, you're not a candidate for a miracle. So if you're in the room today, believing that your God can still work miracles, understand that you have to give him your problems and you have to be willing to face those problems. Abraham at 75 years of age is given one command. The command is Abraham, step out and go to the place that I will show you. So he leaves everything following the word of the Lord. This is a picture of faith. We don't see faith, we, we hear faith. Faith comes by the hearing of the word of the Lord. And so he steps out into the unknown and it's always in the unknown that God makes himself known. That's what he does. And so they go to this place, he and his wife, Sarah, they don't have any kids. They're just trusting God. They're just obeying God. But on the journey, they're believing that God's gonna do something, but years go by. In fact, not just years, decades go by. Yeah. 
And one of the clear signs that Abraham and Sarah have stopped following God and started following their dream is because they try to accelerate the dream. Instead of waiting on God, they disobey and they detour and they try to make the dream happen on their own. If you remember the story, Abraham and Sarah can't get pregnant. So Sarah gets this idea. Hey, Abraham, why don't you sleep with your maidservant, Hagar, and then she can bring about the heir. Watch this. When you follow the dream, you will always, always, always settle for counterfeits. See, Abraham sleeps with Hagar and she gives birth to, to Ishmael. And Ishmael is real. Ishmael is Abraham's son, but Ishmael is a counterfeit to the promise. Ishmael is not the dream that God placed inside of Abraham's heart. It's, it's not the dream. It's, it's Abraham and Sarah's disobedience and failed attempt to accelerate that which God was telling a story with. Many of us in this place were tempted not to wait on God. We're tempted to do God's job and we're trying to accelerate things. I just want to encourage you that every time you do this, what you do is you're settling for a counterfeit. Listen, you were promised unconditional love. Don't settle for lust. You were promised joy. Don't settle for pleasure. You were promised peace. Come on, there's a whole world out there that's settling for temporary prescription relief. You were promised purpose, but so many people are settling for worldly prosperity. You were promised security. Don't settle for earthly accolades. Keep trusting God. Wait on God. They, they take matters into their own hands. And what happens, of course, is that whenever you disobey God, we think it's just going to affect us. No, there's always collateral. Hagar and Ishmael are banished from their presence. There's a whole other message and a whole other story of the consequences of that decision. What happened? They, they weren't being guided by God. They were being guided by the dream. Stop following your dream. It will destroy you. It will hurt you. It's not the call of God. I love it because God shows up to Abraham and says, yo, Abraham, this time next year, uh, you're gonna have a baby boy. And literally Abraham is like pushing hundred years of age. He's 99. Sarah is like in her nineties. Sarah overhears the conversation it's one of my favorite parts in the Bible because Sarah overhears it and she begins to laugh. <laughs> I don't know who this God is, but uh, I'm old. <laughs> There's no way this dream could be fulfilled at this age. Here's what I want to encourage some people with today. That the plans that God has for your life are always laughable. Always, always laughable. The things that God wants to do in your life to the onlookers and to the crowd and to the spectators will make others laugh. That's how ridiculous a God dream is. That's how crazy a God dream is. There is no way that could happen. There is no way that God could do that in your life. But I want to encourage Vu Church. We want some dreams that the world will laugh at. We want some dreams that only God himself could start 
only God himself could sustain and only God could finish. Come on, let the world laugh all that they want. I'm telling you what, we serve a God who always, every single time, he gets the last laugh. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. I, I, I pray the world is laughing at what God is doing at Vu Church. It ought to be hysterical that God could do such a work and such a jacked up group of people, <laughs> such an insignificant group of people, such a weak people that God could show up in such a strong and evident way. God says, this time next year, you'll have a boy. And Sarah's like, I don't know. God's like, you'll see. One year later, Sarah gives birth to the promise. Isaac, he's known as the son of laughter and the son of grace. That it was the child that Sarah, the mother, even laughed at the idea of ever even happening. What's amazing is, is that at 100 years of age, that's a crazy idea, Abraham becomes the father of Isaac, just one boy. Now, out of all of the dads in all of the world, Abraham had sacrificed, Abraham had stepped out, Abraham had waited decades and decades to finally get the dream that God had promised him. But what happens here in Genesis chapter 22 is mind-boggling because now after waiting all of these years, God is going to call Abraham to do something that does not make sense in the natural. God is going to test the faith of Abraham. And this is very, very important that we understand this, that if you're going to go on the faith journey, and many of us here today, we are on that journey of following Jesus, not following a dream, but following Jesus. Others of us were, were considering it. Others of us, somebody just brought us and we just came for the barbecue after the service today. We're like, this guy's really heavy, man. But um, if you choose to go on the faith journey, your faith will be tested. Why? Because a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And God, he wants to do something in your life. God has an assignment for your life. God has promises for your life. And faith in Jesus, that secures our eternal salvation. But then here on earth, the question is, can you be trusted with assignments? Can you be trusted with promises? And the only way you can pass the faith test is through this word trust. It's amazing because it kind of goes both ways. It's like, it's like twofold. Like, like the only way I'll pass the test is by trusting God. And the only way that I will show myself trustworthy is to trust in God. How many know God's gonna call you to do things that don't make a lot of sense? If, if you haven't read the Bible, you, you should start because you're called over and over again to do things that don't make sense. Forgive my enemies, I don't want to do that. I have a hard time forgiving my wife. You want me to start with my enemies? Like, this is hard, you know? Turn your other cheek. Uh, go the extra mile. Read the scriptures over and over again. God will call us to do things that we don't understand. But can I encourage some people in the house today? Just because you don't understand it, doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. In Genesis chapter 22, 
God comes to Abraham and says, hey, Abraham, you have waited so long for this beautiful dream, but now, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your dream. I want you to take your dream. I want you to take your promise. I want you to take that boy, Isaac, and I want you to go up on top of Mount Moriah and I want you to build an altar and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Now, this is horrible. This is horrendous. This is crazy. Soren Kierkegaard, the great theologian and philosopher, talks about the fact that many times faith is illogical. Tim Keller, the, the modern theologian, would debate Kierkegaard a little bit. And he would say that Kierkegaard is leaving out one idea that maybe this thing as horrible as it is, maybe it's not nearly as impractical as we think it is. And Keller would propose the concept that number one, in this time period, in this ancient cultures, child sacrifice to gods was a common thing, but not just that. Secondly, is that in this uh, time period and in this culture, Jewish culture over and over again, which is Abraham is the father of, what we discover is we discover the importance and the significance of the firstborn. That over and over again, God is dealing with the firstborn. That as you discover in the book of Exodus, that God says, every one of your firstborn is forfeited immediately for the sins of a family. It's known as the law of primogeniture, which is this concept that the firstborn is really the one who all of the legacy, all of the wealth will go to. We talked about it last week in the story of Manasseh and Ephraim. And so God in the book of Exodus over and over again would say the way that the firstborn could be forgiven is that they would have to go and give sacrifices or that they would have to go and pay tithe or they would have to go and serve with the Levites. There was all these rules and laws because whatever happened to the firstborn would happen to the entire family. So the firstborn would be sacrificed unto God, if you will, because it was a sign to say the firstborn is paying the price of sin for the entire family. And sin has a wage, sin has a payment. It's called death. And Keller would argue that when God speaks to Abraham, that this wasn't nearly as illogical as you and I would think, meaning we shouldn't read Genesis 22 and walk out of here with some crazy ideas going, God told me to get rid of my boss. No, that would go against everything about God's word. There's more meaning to the passage, but whether you agree with Kiergaard or you agree with Keller, that's not really the point that I'm coming out with today, the point that I'm coming out with today is that every one of us will come to these moments where God asks us to sacrifice the dream that is in our heart. For Don Shree and I, it was six or seven years ago with the idea of having children. Because the idea comes to, it's not really whether or not you love something so much. It's that many times we love God so little. And what is the priority? What comes first? Because many of us in this room, we don't even realize it, but these good things are taking place of the God thing. And the dream has become an idol in our life. When we think about idols, a lot of us, our first mind goes like some you know, piece of stone or some golden object that people are in their room bowing down to but that's somewhat of an archaic image of an idol. Really an idol is the moment that the gift becomes more important than the gift giver. An idol is anything that is more important to you than God himself. And every one of us in this room 
We actually have to investigate and we actually have to do the work of what is in my heart. Because for Abraham, there is no other father maybe in the history of humanity that had waited and loved a son more than Abraham. But now the question is, is what has Isaac become to Abraham? Has Abraham fallen more in love with Isaac or has he fallen more in love with God? Was all of the sacrifice and all of the endurance and all of the pain and all of the prayers, was it all to get a son or was it all to honor God? I don't know what's going on in your life, but good things can become the God thing. Your spouse is good, but she's not God. Our kids are good, but they're not God. Your job is good, but it's not God. Church is good, but it's not God. Ministry is good, but it's not God. Nothing should take the place of God. And the reality of it is, is that if we're not careful, something else will take the center of our life. I got this wheel up here and I think it's a really good analogy because at the center of the wheel, all of the different spokes come together. And this hub in the center holds all of the spokes in line and it helps the car, the bike, the vehicle move forward. And in so many ways, I think this is a picture of our life. What is at the center of your life? Anything other than God will eventually crumble, will eventually be destroyed, will eventually fall apart. And it's challenging because God gives us good things and it's, it's not about loving these things less, it's about loving God more. <laughs> I love my baby girl, Waylon. I'm gonna give my life to, to being her dad, but I want to show her my love by loving God more. She's a dream come true, but she can't be center of my life. For if she's the center, the wheel will fall apart. I wonder how many are watching online today and how many are even in this room right now that you let something else take the center of your life. Center belongs to God. I, I love what Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, in his book, Life Together, he's talking about church community. He writes, he says, when a person becomes alienated from a Christian community in which he has been placed and begins to raise complaints about it, he had better examine himself first to see whether the trouble is not due to his wish dream that should be shattered by God. And that little phrase, wish dream, has just been speaking to me. Do you have a wish dream today? A lot of us, we have, we have wish dreams for our, our, our marriage and wish dreams for our kids and, and wish dreams for our job and if we're not careful, these, these good things begin to take the place of God. Question's really simple. What if taken away from you would cause you great crisis of identity? Because that's the thing that you want to address today. Say, God, I, 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 wanna, I wanna submit this. I wanna, I wanna give this to you, God. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna offer this over to you. I, I don't wanna follow that. I wanna follow you. And God says to Abraham, he says, Abraham, I want you to take your boy Isaac and I want you to go up to Mount Moriah and I want you to sacrifice your son to me because we're gonna find out, we're gonna test your faith. I've got a great assignment for your life. I have a great mission for your life. But we're gonna discover today, are you trustworthy? 
can I, can I trust you with assignments? Can I trust you with the mission? Was all of this endurance about getting Isaac or was it about getting me? <laughs> so Abraham starts making his way up to Mount Moriah. And it's really just beautiful as you read the text because even in the entire chaos of the moment, you can see that Abraham is, is living in the tension of the truth of God, that we know Jesus is full of grace and he's full of truth. You can see Abraham going, God, I, I want to obey you, but even though I'm going to obey you to the very end, I'm gonna keep believing that you're a good God. And you can hear this in his language. First moment we see it is in Genesis 22. He looks at the servants that are with he and Isaac and he says to the servants, it's a declaration of faith. He says, we are gonna go up and make a sacrifice to God and then we will come back to you. You can hear Abraham. He's saying, I'm gonna go and obey God, but I'm believing that me and Isaac are both gonna come back down from this mountain. We know in Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham had such faith that he actually believed that God could resurrect Isaac. So he's not understanding all the way he knows that God has promised that he's gonna be the father of a nation. He knows he only has one son to be the heir. He's confused, why would I be sacrificing? Why would I be killing the dream? But I'm gonna trust that I serve a God who has a better plan than I could ever imagine. I'm not gonna follow the dream, I'm gonna follow God. So I'm gonna go up to the mountain. On the way up there, Isaac goes, Dad, You've got wood and you've got fire and you've got a knife, but, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And once again, there's another faith proclamation. Abraham looks at Isaac and says, the Lord will provide a lamb for the sacrifice. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm hoping and I'm believing and I'm praying that you won't have to be the sacrifice. They get to the top of Mount Moriah there Isaac is bound. Abraham builds an altar and lays his son. Most theologians believe that he wasn't some boy. He wasn't little. He was more like in his 20s or his 30s and he was being obedient to his father. And he laid down on that altar and Abraham got ready to do the unthinkable. He was getting ready to forfeit the firstborn, which would have to pay the price of sin for the entire family. And as he raised his knife, all of a sudden the angel of the Lord speaks out and says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. And he says, now I know that you're trustworthy. Now I know what's at the center of your life. It's not the dream, but rather it's obedience to God. Look over there in the thicket and there in the thicket was a ram caught by its horns. And Abraham took the ram and now use the ram as a sacrifice to atone for their sins. And he called that place, the Lord will provide. And it's a beautiful picture that when you and I trust God, when we actually obey God, I know it doesn't make any sense. I heard a quote this past week, someone prayed, God, why are you leading me through troubled waters? And then I heard the Lord speak back because your enemies don't know how to swim. That when you, when you trust God and say, God, I'm going to lay this dream up on the altar, 
I'm not following a dream. I'm different from the world. I'm not trusting my heart, trusting God. I'm not obeying my desires. I'm obeying the word of God. That when I lay my dream up on the altar, there is a God who will provide. There's a ram in the thicket. Listen to me, exchange your dream for God's plan. Give God your dream and receive his plan. Give God your dream and receive his plan. Do you believe that today? Somebody give God some praise. What's beautiful about this story is the story in Genesis chapter 22, it reminds us very much of another story to come. Abraham didn't know that he was part of God's bigger story. Abraham just knew he was living in his story. This is where a lot of us, we miss it. We just think it's about me, myself, and I. We never ever stop to consider that God is telling a much bigger story and he's using our lives. We're not the main character, we're supporting actors. And you and I, we get to foreshadow and we get to be a part of the kingdom of God. And Abraham that day had no idea that this story would happen again, but this story would look much different. For Abraham looks a whole lot like God the Father. And Isaac, he looks a whole lot like God's one and only son, Jesus. And in the same way that Isaac had that wood on his back, Jesus, he, he took a cruel cross on his back. Would you believe it that Moriah, thousands of years later is, is known as Calvary? And that same hill that Abraham and Isaac walked up, Jesus Christ, he with a cross on his back, he, he marched up. But this time as he willfully laid himself down, he was bound onto the cross. This time there was no substitute. This time God's only son would be the substitute for all. That Jesus Christ would willingly and willfully lay his life down on a cross. That Jesus, he is the ram in the thicket that Jesus, he shed his blood so that you and I wouldn't have to. He did not come to bring judgment, friends. This is the gospel. Jesus came to bear the judgment. He came to be the sacrifice. God, he kissed his one and only son goodbye in order to get you and I. Friends, many times you and I, we have to kiss our dreams goodbye to receive relationship with God. For Jesus, he, he died upon that cross, but three days later, praise God, he, he resurrected and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he's alive today. Stop following your dreams. Start following Jesus. Start following a good God who provided for you, provided for me. That when I didn't have enough, he, he was more than enough. When I was deep in a valley, he showed up and he walked with me. When I was deep in pain, when I was deep in suffering, when I was deep in tragedy, my dream didn't show up. A promise didn't show up. No, something better showed up. The savior of the world, he came in and he stepped into the story and he said, I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. So I put my trust in him. I choose to follow him. He is the good guide. He is the good shepherd. Come on church, why don't we lift our hands? Come on, why don't we lift our voice? 
Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.